and welcome to this very special highlights edition of Research Ed Surrey 2021. My name is Daniel Bull and this is More Than A Job podcast. You can find us online at morethanajob.co.uk or on Twitter at underscore more than a job. We have been spending the whole day today recording people, recording speakers, recording delegates and getting the very, very best parts of Research Ed Surrey 2021. Sorry if we didn't get a chance to speak to you today, but certainly at future Research Eds, please don't be afraid to come and say hello and record an interview, record your thoughts with us because it would be great to hear from you. As well as hearing from some of our esteemed speakers, we have also got opinion and thought from some delegates which you'll be able to hear. Maybe we'll be finding the next leader in education from some of our delegates today. But enjoy the highlights package and we'll take it away. Listen clear now, baby. Yeah, yeah, cause it begins like... We're at Research Ed Surrey 2021 with Jack to Vasily Marsh. You are the organiser of this event. You've done it. I said this to Tom Bennett, but no disrespect to Tom. Tom admitted other people did the organising for him. And I know you've got a team, which you're going to probably mention in a minute. Mm-hmm. But you've done a lot of organising. You look immensely calm. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about how long you've been working on this, what it means to you, and why you decided to take this on. Right, so I went to see Claire Stoneman present... Um, I think it was at the National Conference in 2017, she actually did a session on why we should run our own research eds. And I took so much from her just talking about, actually, if if you really think about it, you can then get a session near you which enthuses all of your local schools with with the research ed movement. So we looked at, obviously, the first one was in 2019. um, And I think probably I'm so calm today because we actually did the 2019. 2019, I was not calm. Uh, It was ridiculous. I was running around like a headless chicken. Are the speakers here? They all turn up at different times in the day as well. And you just think that you you automatically think that they're going to turn up at nine o'clock and you're going to have everyone on site and everything's okay. And then they come in and dribs and drabs through the day. and like, oh, yeah, okay, no problem. I'm here for session five. And I'm like, oh, thank God you've arrived. So last year, uh, sorry, 2019 was, was certainly more stressful. This year, I would say, has been far less stressful because we've got that sort of systems in place and we've got such a good team here so we, we've got a lady called Trisha Wright who does all of our administration all of the logistical side you, you said earlier don't mess with Patricia yeah no don't um, you know she, she she knows exactly what she wants uh, you know if, if, if a speaker isn't getting their form back in there's a reminder email and I think a few of our speakers have had a several reminder emails but we've got everything in and you know we're really pleased obviously in the times that we're in there have been some speakers that haven't been able to make it today um, mainly for family emergencies obviously some of it's COVID but you know everyone does it through uh, the love of of being passionate about education uh, sharing sort of like the best bets of what they're doing in their classrooms, linking it to the, the latest educational thinking. Uh, and everyone's come here for a, you know, there's no paid speakers. It, it's completely non-profit. Uh, and we're having a whale of a time. And presumably 2022, as we can see, it will we'll be going ahead. And it'll be presumably here again. Absolutely. So if any of our listeners couldn't make it this weekend, but they're listening to this now, give them a little sentence or two about why they should come next year. What's so important about this? 
I think the first thing is we really look to new voices. So we've got, this year we've got probably 10 speakers that spoke at the 2019 event, but we've also got roughly 25 new speakers to, to the Research Ed Surrey movement, but also some people that have never spoken at an educational conference before. So I think, you know, we, we give a platform to people to, to come and share what they're doing. And I think firstly, if you're out there and you're thinking, can I get involved, then, then please do. Um, you know, reach out and say, you know, can I run a session? You can always um, put session ideas on the main Research Ed website. That gets forwarded out to all of the ones around the country. Um, so you can then get your way into that. But for me, the buzz is the noise at the end of sessions and, and the teachers talking to each other. And we've got people that are in their training year. We've got people that have been teaching for you know 30 years. We've got people in leadership. We've got MAP CEOs. And, and they're just people today. And they're talking about teaching and learning. They're talking about leadership. Um, and you just hear some of the conversations. And I think the biggest thing is you've just always got to look at it with a pinch of context. You've got to look at it, you listen and think, okay, that might not totally work for me, but there'll always be a nugget that you can take away and you can use, and I think that's absolutely critical. And Jack, you started talking session one, packed out room, and the topic was on about how children get distracted in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you mentioned a few things, you were giving tips and ideas on how we create strong starts and effective do-now tasks. You said the teacher should be narrating the classroom that they want to see, stop all the faffing, and we want students to be thinking hard and participating often. Mm-hmm. What other key takeaways will people have, have missed by not seeing your session that they can try and put into their classroom now? I think the main thing is, is we, we kind of have a subconscious bias of what inattention looks like. So if you walk past two classrooms and you've got one classroom that is obviously off-task behaviour, um, so perhaps you've got students talking about things that aren't related to the lesson, you know, glue stick goes A, a to B and you're like, well, there's definitely off-task behaviour going on in there. That's very different perhaps to walking past a classroom where you've got you know, quiet students working away in silence, that sort of thing, but actually are they truly focused in on the work or is their mind wandering, are they glaring out the window? But actually if you're subconsciously walking past both classrooms, you would probably say what well, classroom A has got far more inattentive students than classroom B. So it's about breaking down that narrative of actually what is inattention. So I looked at Mike Hobbes' PhD um, sort of research where he essentially looked at getting students when they came out of a lesson to record roughly the percentage of the lesson that they felt they were distracted and what by. Um, and, and, you know, no obvious that other people was top, but, you know, 15% roughly of a lesson uh, being disrupted perhaps by other people. And then there was mind wandering, um, you know, there's window gazing, there's displays, there's social networks, phones. Um, so basically the session was really on what strategies can we use that, that teachers can use from Monday that is very much, okay, how can I get the students thinking hard and participating as often as possible? And I think if you approach the lesson and you approach your teaching from that perspective, you won't go far wrong. So we looked at, you know, show me boards, we looked at dints, we looked at um, turn and talk, ways that you can do paired discussion. So every single thing that we do here is making sure that students are thinking hard and ideally participating as much as possible as well. Yeah, I mean, it was, I caught a little bit of the session and you might not realise it, but you've got people actually sitting outside because they wanted to get in and, and, and you were oversubscribed. Mm. So well done for that one. Yeah, I'm surprised by that. If I'm being brutally honest with you, this is the first face-to-face 
research ed speech that I've done, I've done a virtual one and I thought, God, if I get four people, I'd be really happy. But to see so many people there and, and I think it's because we're talking about day-to-day -day teaching. Yeah. We're talking about, okay, well, why are students inattentive and what can we try to change that's going to hold students a little bit more accountable to think hard and to participate as often as possible. Um, so, you know, we, we even looked at perhaps some of the disadvantages to the cold call questioning strategy that actually sometimes it's only checking a small percentage of the classroom. It might be making everyone think hard, but actually the participation part is still only one or two, even if you bounce it around. So, you know, how can you use mini whiteboards to make sure that you're getting feedback from the whole class? And how can you then respond as a teacher to that information you're getting back? And it's just fantastic, isn't it? Like, we were talking to, uh, we talked to Tom Sherrington, who you've got here today, uh, who's done the sort of the first session in the main hall, Oliver Carve, David Goodwin. And it is, it, like, you, like you said earlier, it was a bit of a meeting of minds, and you might not always agree about, about mm. that aspect of education, but it's the opportunity. What you mentioned earlier as well about the enthusiasm of the delegates, we, we've come along with two colleagues today, mm. and they were like kids in a, in a toy shop, weren't they? They're, you know, and, and they're, they're really experienced teachers. So you've put on a great That's event. Great well done, Jack. Hopefully, Research Ed 2022, Surrey, even bigger than this one. You might need even more classroom Yeah, I think so. I but think you've, so. You've done a great job. Well done. Well, thank you guys for being here and giving everyone that can't be here a little bit of a, a sort of a sense of what's going on, and we hope you can join us next time. Right, we're with Abby Bayford and Mike Brett. Abby is the Director of Institute Academy Transformation Trust. We've interviewed Abby before on one of our earlier episodes. Dan, which one was it? Put you on the spot. Ep episode eight. And if you go to the website, morethanajob.co.uk, there are three popular episodes listed and season one, episode eight, with Abby Bayford on Letter to My NQT Self, which is a must-read, must-buy book, is on the homepage of the website. However, Abby's a little bit put out because she hasn't made the photo of the, the leaflet. But I haven't taken it personally at all. No, I say, and it, and, it, and it really isn't personal, so <laughs> sorry about that. And Mike Brett is Deputy Director of Institute, Academy Transformation Trust. So you, you two are due to speak in the last session, so Correct. you're just prepping. Yeah. We won't, we're not going to keep you too long then. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're going to be speaking about this afternoon? Yes, so we're talking about the enablers of um, professional development for early career teachers. So um, we are in the thick of... Uh, rolling out the new early career teacher two-year induction but we're really talking about what we've learned um, over the last two or three years in putting together PD for early career teachers what we see to be the key enablers the mechanisms that ensure that it's high quality purposeful meaningful yeah and also sort of looking at maybe additional layers of thinking as well around our approach maybe in addition almost beyond the, the early career framework in some ways I think yeah so you know we are a huge fan of the early career framework yeah. but we're also exploring what might not be there and also um, the knowledge the concepts the research that underpins the declarative statements in the early career framework and how we might use that as a starting point yeah but a lot of what we're going to talk about this afternoon is around those professional conversations and ways into having powerful conversations where early career teachers have agency um, and they can lead conversations about their own learning, um, thinking about how we can support them to embody some of the ideas mm. we're teaching as well and what the conditions for that might look like. Yeah, we've thought hard about you know this whole idea of kind of the persistent challenges that teachers can face 
and how we can make the, all this learning that early, early career teachers are exposed to really tangible and turning what can be you know, potentially quite abstract knowledge and, and ideas and concepts into things that are maybe a little bit more concrete as well. So there's a Mary Kennedy paper that's really seminal for us and we're unpacking what the five persistent yeah. challenges are and how that's guided our thinking around early career teacher development. And you've already had a face-to-face session, haven't you, with your your first cohort of ECTs? How was that? How was it? Amazing. It was. It was amazing. Yeah, it was. It was amazing. So I think it's one of those things, isn't it, where you, you kind of envisage, you know, working on the new framework, you envisage how it how it might look and how it might work. But you know, that it's that first time of really seeing it in action. I think and the impact and the potential that it can have. I think for me, what was really amazing, and this is the unintended impact sometimes, was this impromptu activity at lunchtime where they seconded a whiteboard, all the early career teachers, and started writing reading recommendations to each other. And then it got bigger and bigger across lunchtime, didn't it? Yeah. It was a really nice organic grassroots organic kind of thing that we didn't plan. Of the day that we didn't yeah. plan, yeah, which yeah. was really nice. And so it wouldn't have happened on Teams. It wouldn't, no. That face-to-face element being really important. You're really driving this forward, both of you, from the sounds of it at Academy Transformation Trust. How does a, a potential teacher get in touch with you? What do they do? They want to come and work for you, want to train you know, un, un, under your guidance. What, what would you advise them to do? Well, we've got a talent pool. So if anyone wants to go to our website, they can apply to join the talent pool. But um, we also work with trusts, other trusts as well. So we've got two, potentially three now, um, trusts who have signed their early career teachers up onto our program and we've really bolstered it as well so anyone who joins the induction program can join our webinar series we've uh, got an lms and we've written a, um, quite a lot of asynchronous content around the knowledge that we want all teachers to have so we've really codified that knowledge they will have access to that as well so yeah it's quite a comprehensive pd package mm. um but we're all about the relationships, so we would never take on too many external clients because it's really important to us that we can deliver really quality. high quality. The quality PD. is really, really key. Yeah. Does what you're doing now almost make you want to be ECTs yourself? Yeah, we've said, haven't we? We're so jealous. The, the number of times I've, I've looked, sat there and looked at the, you know, the, the training or whatever it might be and thought, oh, if only I'd known aspects of this back then but also we've learned things as well so it'd be arrogant to think that we knew all of that stuff I mean we're really concerned about a potential knowledge gap within the sector because we've got all of our early career teachers you know progressing through this program and really getting to grips with you know potentially some quite difficult concepts that we might have teachers in their fourth fifth beyond year of teaching who have no idea about the simple model of memory for example I hope not actually yeah. but you never know so you know we, we're really conscious about that and, and just to go back to that asynchronous content I mentioned although it's informed by the declarative statements in the ECR it's not for early career teachers it's for all of our staff to make sure that we don't find ourselves in a situation where our ECT is no more than and that knowledge gap doesn't exist yeah, aim, exactly. That's what we're trying to do. No, but yeah, I, I, I had to learn the content for lots of the lots of this. There's the parts, significant parts, why I had to go away and research because yeah. my, my knowledge was just not deep enough. Yeah, you know, so it's really, really interesting. We've taken it really seriously, mm. haven't we? Mm. And so, and in, in a few weeks' time, as sort of an advance, uh, you know, advertisement for listeners, we're going to have you and your team, aren't we, on Abby? I'm, I'm calling it your team. Is that right? Is that going to cause? Yeah, no, that's that that's, that's, that's definitely correct. I, I warned Mike of this about an hour ago. <laughs> that tends to be the that tends to be the way that we operate, really. Actually. <laughs>
But we're going to have the ATT, Institute ECT, well, ECF the Institute team. team. The so Institute myself, team. myself, Mike, and Amy Stanneth Forth, who is our research lead as well. We call ourselves the, the Power Rangers, don't we? Yeah, yeah. We're just debating <laughs> over which colour. I was going to say, Mike, yeah, that, that's going to be one Mike's for the Mike's trying to be red. I don't so think I can get away with that. And what would your colour be? Oh, or do you want red? Know. It's got to be red because red's kind of like the leader. Jason it? in the yeah. first one, yeah, yeah. So you'd have to be the red, yeah, you'd have to be red. I don't know. But when Tommy came to join the Power Rangers, he was the green, then the white, and he became the leader. I'm really impressed by the depth of knowledge. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I impressed. I'm very, very worried. <laughs> Here, which we're talking very about worried. all this teaching, yeah. learning, all this research, and we've yeah. managed to bring it back to Power Rangers. Oh, we've Rangers. had Dungeons and Dragons already. Oh, we've yeah. had Power Rangers. Mark Enzo so going on about Dungeons and Dragons, the game. Just for anyone's case, anyone's worried. Mike was re- making reference to dating applications in in one of his interviews. Things have gone things have gone peaked. Don't be pear shaped. We're a bit tired right. now, aren't we? Tell it's the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. You can tell it's the afternoon. Talk about the Power Rangers. Yeah. Right. Anyway, Abby Bayford, Director of Institute Academy Transformation Trust, and Mike Brett, Di- Deputy Director of Institute Academy Transformation Trust. Best of luck with your talk this afternoon. Hope it goes really well, and thank we look you. forward to yeah, uh, catching up with you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right, we're with uh, Josh, Josh Goodrich, who has just spoken in the main hall at Research Ed Surrey 2021. Very busy outside. All these people have just come out of your talk, Josh, so you are very popular. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, what have you just talked about? I was talking about uh, how it's difficult to help teachers to change their practice. Some of the reasons why teacher change is kind of difficult to even unlikely to happen. And then I talked about five important catalysts or ingredients for teacher change and how we can how we can make them happen particularly when we're coaching what are those five important ingredients okay so ingredient one is uh, situation assessment it's called and it's basically making sure that teachers develop their ability to see classroom cues understand them and respond to them number one number two is motivation and goal setting helping making sure to helping teachers to know like that, that when they're working to improve their trying to achieve a specific goal and wanting to get there Three is developing insights, which is like understanding the mechanics of, and the science of learning. Four is like step knowledge, granular knowledge around the actions or mechanics of teaching, action steps. And five is habit, deliberate practice and building habit. And if any of our listeners want to catch up with you, I'm just looking your, your Twitter handle, at Josh underscore CPD. That is the one. Absolutely brilliant. And just looking at your published literature. Um, Ambition.org UK Research and Insight Learning Curriculum. Yes. So you've got your own website. Uh, I have my own website. My personal website where I blog is StepLab. So it's www.steplab.co. Um, but I've also written with Harry Fletcher Wood and our colleagues a kind of guide for helping teacher educators to teach the science of learning to others. And that's available somewhere in the Ambition Institute website. It's called The Learning Curriculum. And also today, obviously, we've had lots and lots of speakers. Who have you been to see? Who have you, who have you been inspired by, blown away by? I really enjoyed um, Sarah Cottingham's talk on deliberate practice. That was fab. Just watched Becky Allen's uh, kind of like um, talk about uh, why, why school improvement is really hard and what we can do about it. Those have been two of my, my absolute favourites. I really enjoyed both of those. Brilliant. Brilliant. Josh Goodrich. Uh, CEO of Step Lab, Powerful Action Steps. Thanks for joining us on More Than a Job. Cheers, fellas. So 
So I'm sitting outside in the sunshine, the lovely Surrey sunshine. Not long to go now at Research Ed 2021, Surrey. I'm with Laika Sharma, expert advisor at the Teacher Development Trust. Welcome to the podcast, Laika. Hi, lovely to be here. Uh, you've done your talk this morning or yes. this, this afternoon? Yes, uh, of this afternoon. This afternoon. How did it go and what did you talk about? Uh, it was wonderful. Um, I talked about curriculum uh, considerations, context, uh, all the kind of nitty gritty of curriculum and it went really well and my audience was were lovely. So yeah, it was what? really good. What is, and this, this could be a, a, like a, a one-hour answer, we just need a short answer on this one for, for, for today's episode anyway. What is the nitty-gritty of curriculum, in your opinion? I think that there's just so many different tensions when we're talking about curriculum, and actually it's about unpicking those. So, you know, an example that I spoke about today was securing content in the curriculum versus actually what the content is, and it feeling like a race against time. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's just, it's, it's about kind of laying them on the table and actually calling them out and being able to discuss them and I think through that we can strengthen our curriculum practice within school. And you've actually written a book, I have. Curriculum to Classroom, published by John Cat Publishing. That's right. Tell us a little bit about that. So Curriculum to Classroom is essentially the, I guess, a recount of going into a school um, and designing a curriculum bespoke to that, um, you know, to the demographic of the school, bespoke to the pupil and the communities that the school was serving um, and it's all the lessons that we learned along the way. Um, it's how we mapped the knowledge, it's um, how we led the curriculum work, so it's just uh, a little handbook, something to prompt some thinking for colleagues. Have you managed to catch up with anyone else today? Have you watched any of the sessions? Yeah, so we've, we've watched quite a few sessions, haven't we, today? Yeah. Um, really good sessions, Five. we really enjoyed John Hutchinson's session this morning, The Seven Best Bets. Uh, found that really interesting and we were just in a session about thinking deeply about primary maths. So that was a really good one as well. Brilliant. And you're on Twitter. I am. At Teacher Feature 2. That's right. Who's got at Teacher Feature 1? I don't know, but I think I need to find out. <laughs> you do, <laughs> we yeah. We need to have words. Yeah, you need, you need to. Or even just at Teacher Feature. Yeah, this needs definitely. sorting out, you know. <laughs> but Laker Sharma, really appreciate giving up your time on more than a job. Research Ed 2021. And best of luck. Hopefully we'll catch up with you maybe in the future for a longer episode. Absolutely. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks. I'm with Oliver Caviglioli and David Goodwin, who are speaking session three. What are you both speaking about? Okay. <laughs> just, just for everyone else, David just had to check the schedule to read his own session. So, thank you. So we're talking about uh, organised ideas, which is the title of our recently published book. And we're going to frame a lot of the ideas from our book through the lens of a recently published book by an American science author called Annie Murphy Paul. Her book is titled The Extended Mind and we think that it's got real implications for schools, for the curriculum and it provides, in our opinion, a fuller profile of, of cognition and how learning happens. You've, you've done this talk at Research Ed in London. We did, yeah. Which was about a month ago, wasn't it? But r roughly about a month ago. Uh, and... It was the first time you two had met, which we, we were just talking about. We found it astounding that you've written a book together, but you've never met each other. So just describe how that worked then. It was a Hollywood movie. <laughs> it was the mist in the background. I was waiting for him. He came marching in from the station and we locked in a, in a, in a brotherly hug. In terms of how it worked, so it, it, like, right, like actually writing on the book, so it was a lot of time via Zoom, wasn't it? And yeah using uh, a digital platform called Mural, 
which is basically like digital sticky notes. So outside of um, Northern accent, that's mural. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver does have to remind me about that sometimes. Uh, yeah, so it, it was a lot of emails, exchanges, DMs via Twitter, and yeah, just a 12, 13 months or so, wasn't it, of just constant communication and long hours. And for those who haven't read or bought, purchased the book yet, what would you say are the sort of the, the main takeaways that should encourage someone to, to go and get the book? I would say, and for me, it is the practical nature of what you can use, what we're terming word diagrams, which you might refer to as graphic organiser. It's the practical strategies, how to use them, how to pair them with other teaching strategies so it's not a case of we just produce a graphic organizer and, and we consider that the learnings happen it's how we sequence and pair those graphic organizers with different strategies to to ensure that learning takes place so it is a real real practical book that doesn't need to be read from cover to cover given the book follows the same format as the dual coding with teachers book oliver's last book you can dip in and dip out so it becomes almost a an information catalog so to speak and so there's no pressure to but then those people that do want to to read some of the heavy duty theory and, and research the first chapter the why chapter is packed full of stuff that you know you can you can dip into and and might you know might urge you to want to find out more and in the sort of the world of education, there are a few big names, there's a few celebrity names, at Ollie Cav and at Teacher Heads are obviously two of them. Was it nice for you to sort of work with someone as prestigious as, as Ollie in terms of graphics and illustrations? I don't think you can remember how this happened, Oliver, actually. Yeah, how, how, so me and Oliver had been exchanging uh, some DM messages for, for a number of months. My, when I did my A-levels, I did an A-level in graphic design. I've never I hadn't used it pretty much since uh, going going down the route of being a geography teacher. But I've been sharing some of my work and examples with with Oliver, and I think I think it must have been like a Saturday night, and I'm bad, you know I'm badgering him here, hassling him with some of my designs, and he said to me, "If you ever get a chance, check out one of my old books. It's uh, it was called IQ, and I, I, I did happen to to have a copy of it, and I jokingly it was a joke at the time, jokingly suggested." that maybe we should write a book, not expecting the response I got, which was quite a lengthy response about ideas that Oliver had already had about a new book, but hadn't wanted to embark on the heavy duty work on his own. And that's sort of really how it began. So yeah, for me, it's, it's been incredible. And I've learned so much and continue to learn so much. Reacquired some of the things that I'd learned when I did my A-level in graphic design. Uh, I've become I would consider a lot better writer as a result of it, thanks to, to, to Oliver's guidance. And also, I would say, uh, a better dresser as well. But... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, um, it's hard to describe, but you, you, you are dressed very similarly, looking very, very fashionable. I'd call it maybe the Ollie Murs look. Would you? Yeah. I mean, you've got the Ollie, you've got, you've got the short. I mean, much fashionable than me and Dan, certainly. Um, but... More Oliver Spencer look. Look him up. Oliver Spencer, right. Yeah. Any of our listeners want to have a look up Oliver Spencer, but, it, but it's been a pleasure talking to you. I know, Oliver, we talked about having a, a longer episode. We already interviewed you this morning, so sorry, because we've taken up about the last 45 minutes of your time. We pounced on you. David, we had a, i going to say on the podcast, unprofessional, we had a few drinks last night, didn't we? And it was a pleasure a to catch up with you. You are, uh, you've got the best beard in education. Thank you. If anyone Thank will, will, will recognise <laughs> um, 
David at um, any research shed. I, I recognised you at the, the research shed London. I wanted to catch up with you. Do you know why I didn't interview you? Because I was worried about pronouncing your name wrong. And I thought, yeah. So I thought, I'll Never stay clear. an insult to a Corsican, so good oh, job you didn't. My, yeah, my, my, my apologies, but it's, it's a pleasure. If any of our listeners get the book, please. Uh, this is More Than A Job podcast, Research Shed Surrey, David Goodwin and Oliver Caviglioli. Ah, c'est parfait, hein? So I'm with Peter Foster, or sorry, Pete Foster, Assistant Head Teacher for Teaching, Learning and Curriculum at Bridgewater College Academy in Somerset. Welcome to the podcast, Peter. Thank you very much. Is it, sorry, I'm getting this wrong already. Is it Pete or Peter? It's Pete. Pete, just Pete. My apologies. That's fine. So, so you're Assistant Head for Teaching, Learning Curriculum. Can you just describe in the context of your school what, what you're doing there? What are the current things you're focusing on in terms of the curriculum and your teaching and learning? What are you driving forward at the moment? A couple of things. I suppose what we're trying to embed kind of off the back of disruption from the pandemic is routine, like really strong routine for teachers and for students. So how we start our lessons, how we expect students to behave and answer questions, how we end lessons particularly as well. And so that would be an element of it. With curriculum, what we're trying to get back to is really well sequenced, knowledge rich curriculum that enables students to, to, to access really more you know more complex content as they go through school just looking at what you what you've just spoken about looks really interesting it says if you could improve one aspect of your knowledge as a teacher what would it be what was all that about then so how what what was involved in that talk so that's kind of a trick question because um we often think about things like subject knowledge pedagogical knowledge knowledge of evidence and actually what we know about expert teachers is that they don't know each of those individual things really well those things are sort of intertwined in their kind of heads in their mental models of teaching and so you develop knowledge of subject or pedagogy but actually it's tied to the context where you teach so it's tied to the students who teach those things aren't done in a vacuum and so part of my point was there's this gap between developing those things and actually finding them in the classroom and the work we've got to do is what I've heard a lot of people speak today on is, is deliberate practice of those things coaching in those areas improving professional development in those areas to actually see the, the knowledge that teachers develop show up in the classroom. It says here, equipped with this lens, we quickly realise obsessively following the latest trends in teaching will only ever see diminishing returns. Can you just explain that? What I mean is you, you can develop, you can be a subject expert, you can read every day a, a different book about your subject, different articles about your subject, but there's going to be a diminishing return because you can't apply that all to your classroom in one go. And so what you need to do more is work on applying what, what you know already to you to your classroom and so I think there's that's true as well of, of things like you know we, we know about retrieval practice are, are we applying it to our classroom and so you know reading lots more about retrieval practice might help but it also might just when we've got limited time be, be something we could actually avoid doing and, and focus on the application now the problem with that is it's sort of um could act as an argument against like developing knowledge because you're like saying stop developing knowledge start using it and that's not really what i'm saying but but i do think often particularly at something like research head you know it's all about developing knowledge and it's going to be meaningless unless it finds its way into our schools and so that that was kind of the point of the talk it's not i don't think it's quite the same thing but mark enser was, was was sort of talking about cpd and saying a lot a lot of the time when we come to things like research head 
there's so much information thrown at us and actually we yeah. should be focusing maybe on less or, or yeah, having absolutely. a kind of theme all the way through. Tell us a little bit about uh, Bridgewater College Academy. So you're leading teaching learning curriculum. Do you want to give a shout out to any staff members, if you're head teacher or anyone who, who's, who supported you recently? Yeah, uh, the, the teacher, the head teacher is Zoe Stuckey. Uh, so I'll, I'll tell her that she's on this. She'll be very pleased with that. She's a great head teacher. She, she's really focused on that. That school is in disadvantaged part of Somerset and just getting the best possible outcomes for, for the children that, that we serve. It's such a good school. I've worked there twice. I worked there once, went away and then, then, then came back because I enjoyed it so much. I broke down I and mean, this is going off the tangent. I broke down in Bridgewater once on the M5. Yeah, it's, the, yeah. The, it's the worst service station in the country. Yeah, I, all, I, I go Taunton Dean actually, you know, yeah. more, more than a job listeners, yeah. just know, if in the summer you might see me at Taunton Dean, not Bridgewater, for that, for that reason. Any books in the pipeline? Have you got anything, any, are you, are you blogging? You're obviously on Twitter, at, at PNJ Foster yep. is, is, is your Twitter handle, so if yep. our listeners could uh, tag you on there, that'd be brilliant. Got any ideas for blogs or blogs? Books I blog at curriculumteamleader.wordpress.com and blog a lot there about teacher knowledge, teacher expertise and how... We can develop it. Pete Foster, Assistant Head Teacher at Bridgewater College Academy. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you very much. We're with Tom Sherrington at Research Head Surrey. Uh, welcome back to the podcast, Tom, because we, we did have a brief chat with you uh, in, uh, in London a few weeks ago. Yeah, it was good to be back on. I enjoyed that talk and hope you found the second one all right. Well, we've, we've come back to interview you, but you are obviously, I mean, we said it before, you're well known in the education world. It was packed out this morning for your talk. Any variations on your talk this morning? Was it the same one that, that you did a few weeks ago? No, it's exactly uh, the same kind of theme, but a different focus. I, I, I was zooming in more on specifically checking for understanding rather than the whole sort of model of memory and learning, which was what I was talking about in the London and Tom, what do you find are the common pitfalls in Czech for understanding that, that you come across? What are teachers doing wrong so often? Well, they do the things which Rosenshine and Dylan William and other people have pointed out, which is that they base their decisions on the responses of too few students and with sometimes quite shallow questions or even the rhetorical, has everybody understood? And looking for the nods and sort of look, the look of the students' faces, sometimes not even hearing any, any response. Uh, so just, just not even getting close to hearing students articulate a full uh, you know, exposition of their understanding. So they, they're just going off thin pickings of what's happened and then thinking, oh, that'll do, and moving on. So basically moving on prematurely quite often, leaving students not really understanding and, and not even noticing. And in your book, certainly in the walkthrough series, there are some fantastic five parts on check for understanding there's a whole range of strategies within the book or within the books which would you say are the sort of the the key ones that staff should master if they were starting from scratch what would be your key strategies for checking for understanding i suppose like i said in the talk it, it's it's linking the cold calling so that you you own the room and you you're bringing students in and they're therefore thinking when you ask a question that oh, i could be having to answer so, so but also then with the pair share because once you've got a good a sort of switching between the two going on you can have students talking and all thinking and sharing their ideas and then selecting the students having already had a chance to think and I think where teachers have really got that happening well cold calling no hands up and then 
uh, lots of pair talk, then the information you're getting as a teacher is checking them, checking their understanding much more thoroughly. One, one of the things that came up in our CPD at school, where, we, where we, we're using your book and we watched a video of you, which I think I mentioned, a couple of parents have phoned into the school to say, my child's really anxious because they've realised we're now using this no hands up and, and it's random. You know, who, who's going to get asked the question could be completely random in some situations. How do you combat that? If you, you know, have you got any tips for teachers where you've got anxious children who don't want to speak in front of the class? How can you get around that? Well, there's lots of ways of doing it. And the one thing I always say to people, because this comes up a lot, is, is to, for a start, you have to build a path to them being able to answer. The one, you, one, one thing you mustn't do is say, oh, you know, poor old Stephanie's a bit shy. I'm not going to involve her in this process. And that's kind of shutting her out. You've got to think, how can I build a path so that she can come into that? And that might start with focusing more on her writing things down and you noticing when she's got it right and then saying, hey, Stephanie, that's right. Do you want to share that? So that she already knows she's right before she answers. Or doing the same by pair share, listening to her talk to her partner and saying, hey, Stephanie, you were giving a... That was a lovely idea. Do you want to share that? Or, or sometimes even going as far as representing her and saying, Stephanie had a really good idea what she said was. So lots of different ways of, of uh, her answers being part of the sharing so that the confidence builds and then eventually you get to the point where yeah she's ready to answer more spontaneously so that type of thing and I, I but I, I think if you start thinking forever and a day she's just a child who doesn't do answering in class you're basically you know putting her in a box there and I don't think that's a, that's helpful so and I would say that to parents do you want your child to have the confidence to speak in class eventually yeah so let's help her do it and it isn't going to be like gotcha. So one of the things really to do is never make questioning feel like for anyone like a gotcha, like that kind of theatrical spotlight. Some teachers do that. They think it's fun. They think mm. it's oh, a bit. I'm a bit of a character, you know. Hey, who am I going to pick on next? That type of thing. It's really unhelpful for the kids around the fringe. Thinking, yikes, this is a bit stressful. Mm. And so you've got to think. No, even it might be fun for those guys. It's actually having a negative effect on everyone else. Well, I'm thinking fear. I do that, and I don't mind saying on the podcast, I, I, I probably do that because we we use class charts, and class charts has got a randomizer on it. So I will say we're going to use a randomizer. Let's see, and and so what what should I be doing then? Just being more relaxed in in that situation. Yeah, even even with a randomizer. I mean, I've seen people do it, and it's almost like they're on sort of like you know wheel of fortune, and will my name come <laughs> up? And it it creates it creates anxiety and yeah. drama. Yeah, I would just say use the randomizer so really neutrally. Yeah. Uh, so it's da, 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 da. oh Michael. So yeah, Michael. What were you thinking? And it's just like totally matter of fact, rather than ooh, it's Michael's turn. You know, it's like you just just play all that down. It just doesn't help. Yeah. And of course, you know, people if they haven't read the book, you know, I, I don't know what people have been doing either. Rose and Shine's principles that that you put together, or the walkthroughs. But giving students that wait time as well is really important. Giving that question, giving everyone time to think, uh, is that something you see that teachers still fail? To, to, yeah, to really I, think, do. I think thinking time is, is, is a hard thing. You've got, to, you've got to ask good questions, which is another thing that Dylan and William and Paul Black are saying inside the black box, is that because teachers are uncomfortable with waiting time, they quickly go for the short, simple answer. And, and if you actually ask a really decent question, like, you know, find three advantages of this or three different ways these two poems are similar, it's like it takes the time to think. So you've got to think, yeah, think, 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 think. And you almost like to, the discipline of, having silence, like even if I pause now, people are uncomfortable with silence. Like, you know, it, it, it's like, what? just allow, allow there to be quiet, and then, and then like, okay, that's interesting, so let, 
And I think that, that being able to relax into allowing silences for thinking to be normal does take some thinking about. And I'm just going to push you on another point. Um, formative assessment is thankfully becoming you know, such a, a huge driver, so we're constantly checking for understanding as your, as your talk was about today. Written marking, ink in books, marking policies. What is your, in a snapshot, because we, we are going to be talking to you on the 16th of November in more detail, but as a one-minute sort of summary of your view on yeah, marking? I, marking has its place, but it, because every so often you need to sort of check students and, and see they can do things and get information about them. But it's an it's a inefficient way of giving feedback to students uh, compared to giving it to them more directly while they're there in front of you so you can have a more interactive response with it. So it's a very inefficient process, it's very time-consuming, and therefore you need to do it very sparingly, selecting, selecting certain bits of work and, and only doing it when you know the students are going to be able to pick up on it and use it, I think. So you just need to keep it really in perspective. I, I often worry that I'm saying something which people will hear as, Tom is saying never do any marking. And I'm not saying that, I'm just saying... Just be very judicious about when you mark for specific purposes. And if in doubt, give the books back out and do some whole class feedback rather than crying into your books on a Tuesday evening <laughs> thinking this is a nightmare. Just think, no, I'm not, you know what, why am I doing this? Stop. Tomorrow, guys, here's your books back. I'm going to give some whole class feedback now and I want you to sort of write some comments on your own book. And that, that's a much more healthy approach. You know, mark when you can, as much as you can, but not to the detriment of your family life and your mental health and it's just not worth it and it, it doesn't even make the difference that, that you know people think it might who are insisting on that being done yeah. we i don't know if you know this but there's a tom sherrington bar in farnham surrey just down the road from where we are now so we went in we had a, a meal last night just prepping for today's conference and and it's a, a rainforest bar ah so, oh my God. Yeah, Dan's just showing you a photo now. Oh, amazing. Of the, uh, so we call it the Tom Sherrington Bar. Oh, fantastic. I'll have to go and check it out. You'll have to go and check it out, <laughs> yeah. But, Tom, thanks for joining us again on More Than A Job podcast. And, and like Dan said, I think 16th of November. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, we're going to be interviewing you in a, in a longer uh, episode, which we look forward to. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, look forward to it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, thanks very much. We're at More Than A Job podcast research head 2021 research head surrey actually my name is mike bradford and i'm interviewing another member of frogmore community college they're very popular today it's callie price callie is a dance and pe teacher and also an assistant faculty lead for dance and pe welcome to the podcast callie hi thanks for having me we talked a little bit just before you came on about uh, consistency the power of consistency throughout the school can you talk a little bit about that and how it relates to frogmore community college yeah definitely the power of consistency is so important it gives that sort of stable foundation for students and if students are consistent and staff are consistent everybody knows where they're at and it's a great great foundation for good learning to happen i think if you've got staff who are all on the same page everybody standing together it gives that sort of support network in delivering great teaching and leading but also making sure that you've got great pastoral care apart from scott mellers who we've just interviewed is there a member of staff at your school you want to give a shout out to someone who, who, who shows that consistency someone who's who supported you or maybe go for it name you know name as many as you oh, want oh goodness yeah sarah coward um, my office buddy shout out massively um, she is a drama teacher and she is fantastic at being consistent she has rules and expectations in her classroom so she's got drama studio so not not classroom students aren't restricted by desks they take their shoes off they move around the room but they know where their expectations are at and she's 
consistent with them to the point where their routines are so strong and so clear that they know what they're doing, where the boundaries are. And it gives them that safe environment to fail in their learning, but it also gives them that foundation for coming in the room and knowing what's going to happen every time. There's no big shocks. And especially in performing arts, it's so important that when you've got that strong basis, that they can take risks. Um, so I think that's really, really important. But yeah, Sarah, Sarah Coward's fantastic at Sarah, that. Sarah Coward. Yeah. Just while we're on it, are you on, are you on Twitter? Um, I am, yeah, Cali Price 3. Cali Price 3, any of our listeners? We've got, we've got listeners across the globe, do you know that? Lot I'm telling you now, yeah, fantastic. Cali, Cali Price 3, so add her on Twitter, let's get your Twitter following up. We need to get our own Twitter following up first, I'll say that, but um, who have you listened to this morning? Who's inspired you this morning at Researcher? I've just been downstairs with Adam Robbins, actually, and we've been looking at the power of change and sort of... The masses, how we change behaviour for students and how we change behaviour in staff. And again, going back to that idea of consistency, it was really, really interesting to see that when we're talking about snowballing behaviour and snowballing change, that we don't have to go for the influencers, you don't have to pick the core kids or the core members of staff, but that change really, really can be driven just by close proximal ties. So building relationships is so, so important, which is something that Frogmore do incredibly, incredibly well, is building those relationships with students and staff. Sounds like a great school, Frogmore Community College. So... Scott gave it a good big up because it's, it's obviously open evenings and open days at the moment, isn't it? And yeah. uh, recently, so sounds like a really good school. Callie Price, Assistant Faculty Lead for Dance and PE at Frogmore. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. We're on More Than A Job podcast at Research Shed Surrey 2021. And I'm with Catherine Redding from Fulbrook School in West Byfleet, Hi. Surrey. You're responsible for teaching and learning, Catherine, yes. and literacy. Yes. We've interviewed, obviously we were just interviewed Tom Sherrington before lunch, yes. but one of the things we wanted to do today is interview delegates as well, because it's yes. just as important to interview people who Absolutely. are coming along. These events can't run without the delegates. Who have you seen this morning? Who's inspired you and why? So I've been to three sessions. Um, John Hodgkinson first, um, talking about the seven best bets for teaching and learning. Really inspirational. I managed to squeeze in because of um, obviously he was quite a popular speaker. Um, I sat at the front and what I found um, inspirational about him was in his school, the focus on relationships between staff and um, parents and students. So I've got some snippets from that I'm going to take back to my school, um, especially for whole staff, whole staff um, training. And then I saw Mark Enser, who's written a book about CPD. Um, and I um, support the assistant head with CPD training. And actually, it's quite interesting. And I felt quite vindicated because in our last CPD, we've given staff time to go away and spend time actually using what we've taught them. And that's one of the main um, points that Mark gave us. But I also got some other great snippets. So I really enjoyed that. And finally, Catherine Morgan and Sarah Cottingham talking about developing teacher expertise um, through deliberate practice and they gave loads of analogies to sports some active sports and also games like chess and playing tennis and how as teachers we need to make sure we become experts through modeling and through good practice and i found them both um really inspirational so so far three out of six and i'm really enjoying it brilliant is it your first research have you been to um, i went to the live the um zoom one last year during lockdown so online this is my first face-to-face one Brilliant. It's brilliant. It's really you, good. You made it on the podcast first time round. Oh, thank you. It's, well, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're doing at Fulbrook School. How, you know, how are you running this teaching and learning there? So we, we, I've been responsible for teaching and learning in various forms since 2016. And with the, my new um, line manager last year, we started a different idea where we gave every member of staff a different strand they had to be aligned to. So there's four strands. Um, effective feedback, um, interleaving and high-frequency low-stakes. 
um, effective questioning and challenge. So members of staff last year filled in a form and then they were aligned or signed up to one of those strands and they have sessions every half term on that strand and they have to use those skills um, in their teaching so everyone becomes an expert in one of those strands and actually it's working really well really really much better much more streamlined than it has been in the past do you want to give a shout out anyone in your school you can do more than one person <laughs> anyone who's impressing you at the moment or anyone who's helped you or inspired you an ex-head teacher or a current head teacher or oh, a senior leader who okay. do you want to give a shout out to um shane manley who sent me here today so thank you shane um who's currently the assistant head and uh, my line manager he's doing a great job kind of leading with me cpd um, across the school and Emma Mason, the head of English, the hard, most hardworking and positive person that I know. Well done to Shane and Emma for getting a shout out. So this is more than a job podcast. Catherine Redding, thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you, Mike. It's been great. Thank you so much. Just in between sessions, in fact, there's a session going on at the moment. We're with Michelle Creer, who is a head of house, a house mistress at Charterhouse School in Surrey. Welcome to the podcast, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you very much. We've got to apologise again because we've kind of pounced on you just quietly <laughs> reading outside in a quiet moment. And then we, we, we came across you and we've interrupted that piece. So is this your first research ed or is it a regular thing? It's my first research ed. Right, and what what have you thought about it? Um, It's been really interesting um, to listen to teachers talk about teaching and experts talk about teaching and to meet up with some colleagues, some of whom I've not seen for 20 years. So that's been quite a bonus and yeah, it's been a good day. Who's inspired you today? Who have you been to see to speak in? And... I've been to see several, um, obviously, speak over the, the course of the day. Um, I think one of the most inspirational ones was the thinking about um, how we learn the cognitive stuff, the st- um, sort of thinking about ways in which we learn through practice. I'm trying to look at my uh, my sort of my chart here. Forgive me while I do this. It was Oliver and David, the organisation uh, yeah. of ideas. That was a really good speech, a really good talk. Um, the chance to kind of reflect um, critically on how our brain works, how we can deliver that in the classroom, that sort of thing. That's good. And an excellent book as well that they've that they've both they've written jointly. Yes. And, that, yeah. and that's the thing, isn't it, research said, and you come and listen and I think what's really humble about a lot of the speakers is a lot of them won't take credit for what they do. They're just saying, well, we're just, you know, we're telling someone else's story and they, they'll, mm. they'll give another name. Mm. You know, it's actually be interesting to interview everyone and find out who was the original person who came up with a particular theory of, yeah. of, of something. Tell us a little bit about Charterhouse School in Surrey. Okay. How long have you been there? What's special about that school? Why do you Gosh. love working there? Um, it's a boarding school in Surrey and it um, is a fee-paying school, of course, and it is a school of about 900 students. It's got a lot of a character and a lot of history to it but it's also really at the cutting edge of looking at ways in which we learn and ways in which we teach and ways in which um, we try and support the children there. So it takes a lot of the theory, a lot of the ideas that that you associate with courses like this and days like today and very much plays with them and sees what works in our context. So we have, you know, very inspirational leaders as well there. I'm not just saying that because I'm on a podcast and you're asking me that question. Um, One of my leaders, for example, at school, the sort of curriculum leaders in SLT, um, Karen Davis, um, she's sort of coming towards, I think, the, the end of her, her, her sort of um, time, perhaps, within education. She's been a committed leader over many, many years, pastoral leader. Um, and you asked me about, I think, earlier when we were just sort of preliminarily chatting about someone who inspires, and she definitely um, has sort of inspired me there. And that's been, that's been great to work under someone who is so clear-headed, so cool-headed, in crisis, um, in a crisis and several crises, and manages lots of things in different ways at different times. But um, the context of the school is quite interesting. Lots of history, but also people who really want to make a difference and try new things. So it's not stuck in the mud, and it's not, you know, backward-looking, and it's not conservative in terms of wanting just to preserve the status quo. It very much wants to do the best by all its children. So, as different as those children might be. So. 
Brilliant. Well, I think you've certainly sold it to any, any of our <laughs> listeners who want to come have a look round. Um, it sounds brilliant. Sounds historical, Charterhouse. Yes, 1611 um, they formed, so a long... How long have you been there? I've only been there three years. You've been um, there three years. Yeah, so I'm a newbie on the staff compared to some. I think one of our one of the ladies in the office has just received um, a card and a small gift for 30 years of service. So who's, people stay. Who's that? Time. Do you want to give her a shout out as well? Indeed, Sally Russell. <laughs> Sally Russell, well done on your service to Charter House. But Michelle Creer, uh, Head of House and Housemistress, really appreciate your time. Thanks Thank for joining you. us on the podcast. Not at all. Thank you very much. We're with Scott Mellers at Research Shed Surrey 2021. Scott is a PE teacher at Frogmore Community College and he's just a delegate or not just a delegate he's an important delegate but he's a delegate at today's event Scott welcome to More Than A Job podcast Hi there uh, Who have you come to see today? Uh, Tom Sheraton was my first one um, and then I was very open to seeing some of the some of the other people here today so. What did you take from Tom Sherrington's talk? Um, well it kind of took me back to my, my training um, and then going back to um, how we break down our lessons and how we actually ask questions in our lessons to, to support kids as, as much as we can so yeah, that was the, the, main, the main thing. I mean, you're talking, Tom Sherrington just walking past you now. We might be able to get him in on the podcast because we're about to interview him, but he's, he's, he's obviously very popular. Um, how long have you been teaching for? Uh, so I've just entered my third year of teaching. Right. And, and have you come with any colleagues? Have you just taken it upon yourself to come today? Uh, no, so I'm here with three other members from my school. Um, the deputy head was going to come, but she couldn't attend, so there was four of us. Um, but we're mainly involved with running the CPD um, with our school during briefing on a Thursday morning, so once a week. What are you focusing on CPD? Why is it Frogmore at the moment? Um, all sorts, really. Um, it kind of it's down to us for individuals to pick the topics that we're looking at. Um, personally, I'm very interested in retrieval uh, and in questioning and feedback. So. Um, that's where I've been looking at mainly. Absolutely brilliant. So I, I, I'm loving seeing young teachers coming in. I won't ask you your age, but you're way younger than me. Um, and you're a PE teacher. What do you love about yeah. teaching PE? Um, just that it gives children the ability to express themselves regardless of their actual ability. Um, we have really shifted our focus away from creating high-level participants to how can we encourage kids to enjoy sport for, for their whole life, not just within school. So. And we talked a little bit about it. It, it. I think it's open day season at the moment in, in, in most schools. Uh, now's your chance to sell Frogmore <laughs> Community College yeah. uh, in Surrey. What would you, what, what's special about your school to um, prospective parents? Well, obviously I've only been there kind of three years, but the main thing that drew me to it through my interview was the, the sense of a, a family. Um, and it's something that um, Chris Ward and the head teacher uh, speaks about a lot, is the family, the inclusiveness of the school. Um, there is no point where you can't go talk to somebody, the kids can't engage and interact with anybody. Um, so it's that sense of belonging to the school and being proud to, to be part of that school. Um, it's what I really enjoy personally. So, Brilliant. Scott, you're not on Twitter, so you need to get onto Twitter and start networking a little yeah. bit. <laughs> but uh, Frogmore Community College, I'm sure I've got a Twitter page. So this is Scott Mellers, PE teacher at Frogmore Community College in Surrey. Thanks very much for joining us. I appreciate it. Peace and clear now, baby. Yeah, yeah, because it begins like...